When I first thought of creating this series back in late 2020, this episode was one of the ones that had me thinking, surely there couldn't be a better example of the importance and benefits of art than art therapy. I knew nothing whatsoever about it, but luckily for me, I know a woman who does. And once again, she's family. She is my husband's nephew's wife and a very dear friend, Laura Butt. And I'm Frances Butt, and this is Emotipod, a series celebrating and investigating the many emotional benefits of the arts, talking to all kinds of creatives about what they do. For various reasons, including Laura and family going through a big move and huge life change during the pandemic, it's clearly taken a while, but we got there and I'm so chuffed with the outcome. Bill and I visited John and Laura in Devon, and while the boys were busy wine-tasting in the kitchen, we girls got down and cosy in a quiet bedroom for this chat. Although she needn't have worried, Laura admitted to being nervous. Yeah, because talking is not my primary form of communication. So you're a visual communicator. So this is what is, that's why, that's the point. Interesting. And my stomach's grumbling a lot. Oh. Which is going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be nice to edit. <laughs> I can get edited that bit out. So, do you want something to eat? Do you no, want no, to not at something? all. No, we're good. <laughs> so, yes, use of visual communication is your language, and audio, oral communication is my language. So, I am interested to to learn from you how it works. So, did you always want to do art? Then, if your visual art is your language, you think did it, did it always feel like that? I've always been drawn to art. I can't, if you like, it's in my blood. I can't not do it. I want to, yeah, it's all about drawing. So it's fiddling or making or creating visually. And I see everything in that way. I can't not look. I can't not stop and stare and be. Um, And I've tried to do other jobs um but i'm always drawn back to doing something with the visual arts groovy and how was it at school did you have good art teachers at school that that encouraged you that brought you on or was that any obstruction to your progress it really was it was a huge obstruction oh, was it? <laughs> i was hoping for the oh so, sorry to hear that <laughs> no and uh so first of all i thought i would really like to be an art teacher because i felt that it could be done differently and that actually art shouldn't be marked and that there isn't a right or wrong. Mm. And my schooling definitely was the A students. And if you didn't fit in that particular bracket or that particular way of doing art. Which would be the preference and the subjective taste of the teacher, presumably. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that, so that really knocked my confidence. Yeah. Um, uh, she was a printmaker, lino print, and I still can't go anywhere near lino prints. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. I like them, but yes, oh, I, I love see them. why. Yeah, yeah, I can see why. Yeah. Um, but it was, it's, um, it's too mathematical, it's too logical uh-huh. for, for me. I, I've since then I've really enjoyed screen printing and I do quite a lot of screen printing. Oh, right. Okay. Fantastic. Um, but that's a lot more painterly. Um, but from there I went 
into more three-dimensional work. And so my degree is, is in ceramics. Uh-huh. Oh, right. Okay. I didn't even know that. Why didn't I even know that? And so I guess moving on to what you ended up doing. Yeah. How did you come to want to do art therapy? Was it something that you became aware of over time? So that is the story is because of school. So after when I was doing my A-levels, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And um, my parents very kindly set up for me to go to some of their friends' workplaces. And my neighbour worked in a school for children with learning disabilities. And there was an art therapist there, Ah. um, which actually was extremely unusual at the time, but I didn't know that. And I also went and shadows an occupational therapist. Uh But I realised that actually art therapy is what I wanted to do. So I actually started my degree with the idea of becoming a therapist. Of becoming an art, art wow. therapist. Okay, so brilliant. my dissertation <laughs> for my degree in ceramics was on art therapy. Fantastic. So I guess where I'm coming from with this is that art, in a way, is already therapy for, for many people of a, of a sort. People take refuge in their art, don't they? And they take comfort in their art and they escape into making art. But could you explain a bit about what art therapy is from a clinical point of view and how it works? So art therapy is not like art as therapy. No. And I think that's really how I distinguish. So, um, you know, the phrase of the colouring sections and, you know, that can be, that's therapeutic. Right. I would see that as as art being therapeutic, which has its place and a really important place. But art therapy or art psychotherapy Mm. is based on psychotherapy theory. So it's based on psychotherapists and analysts, um, Freud, Winnicott, Mm. Jungian theories. Um, So it's using the same kind of theoretical standpoint as a psychotherapist, but using the art as the form of communication. Right. So there is a triangular relationship in art therapy between the client, the therapist and the art. Okay. And so the art can be seen as a look into the unconscious and it can be seen as through symbolism and metaphor to be able to communicate those emotions that you are finding it harder to to get in touch with or yeah. memories or experiences to help the client understand what is going on for them. Yes. Okay. And you decided to specialise in working with children. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, any p- particular reason why? And is it different from working with adults in a way? Or It is, um, but in some ways it's easier and in some t- ways it's harder. Um it can be different, obviously. As a therap- as an art therapist, you you qualify to um, you're qualified to work with any client group. Okay. So the base is the same, but obviously in a practice. And as you uh, obviously continue your practice, it can change. So the way I, as an art therapist, I'm a psychodynamic art therapist. I work mainly non-directively. So if you say I'm person-centered or child-centered, so I go with where the child or the client wants to go. So in that sense, there is very little difference in working with a child okay. than is that, with so is that Yeah, is that what psychodynamic means then, just going working through the client and what they are 
yes. where they're at. As yeah, it were. and okay. you're working with the relationship. Okay, between you, them, and this triangular relationship with yeah. our art, and maybe okay. the institution or whatever they bring they bring to to the sessions. Right. So, if you have, for example, a child who is in distress about something, they've been brought to you as a client. Where will you begin with them? How do you get the, How do you get things started? The basis really is to build the relationship. Okay, and that will be different with each child or each client. And so I do have uh, certain tools or certain techniques. Um, I was just thinking about working with dementia patients, which I did for quite a while as well. And with that, I would tend to theme it around a material. So I might give them all a ball of clay. Okay. And particularly with groups, that can be a way of establishing. But really... The first six to 12 weeks is forming a relationship. Yeah, okay. And trust, safe space for the therapy to start to happen. Okay, so there's a long trust building process before you really get going with the client creating art that might be expressing something. Uh, And if if you reach that point then where they're at home enough or, or comfortable enough to start expressing something by painting or making something out of clay or whatever... What kind of things will be emerging out of what they depict or what they get down on a paint a paper? I mean, of course, you're looking at why that person has been referred to you or referred themselves, mm. and that will be part of my thinking. But really, that is um, subjective, and to what whatever's happening at that particular time. Um, I was just thinking about art therapy working with uh, severe learning difficulties and pre-verbal and I was thinking about a particular client who for the first session because I won't just have the traditional art materials you have a whole range of different materials and they can choose whatever they want to work with and that's really explained which can be really really tricky so it could be just loosening up to the point that they feel that they can do something other than a pencil and yes I personally don't have any rubbers or rulers or those kind of um, materials. So what is there is there. I mean, I keep, uh, the therapist will also keep all the artwork. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just having a like, no rubber. I'd be be freaking out. (laughs) Exactly. I think I might need therapy here. There's something wrong with me. (laughs) Yeah, we might need to explore that (laughs) to start with. Um, But I was thinking about one particular girl, teenager that I work with. And by the end of the first session, There was paint and shaving foam and various different materials all over the ceiling, the wall, all over her, all over me. Um, And actually that she was able to make some noises, but she wasn't able to use um, uh, she wasn't able to use words to communicate how she was feeling. Wow. So it was obviously extremely overwhelming, huge emotions in that. And but by working with her every week for a year the paint was able to stay on the paper. Amazing. And it wasn't even on the table around it. So the the therapy then was, it was about, it wasn't just obviously the literal state of keeping the paint on the paper, but she was able to contain her feelings and hold them enough. Right. Fantastic. And something had, cut, she'd got something out yeah. of her, presumably. There is, is there, so is, is there a degree of that, that the process of getting, this extra, my stomach is rumbling like <laughs> this process of um, 
yeah, that extreme example of of materials all over you and the ceiling and everywhere, being part of the process of just externalizing some of this, whatever is in there, whatever kind of extreme emotion is in there. And that's part of the service, presumably. It is. As a therapist, you're the witness. You're okay. witnessing, you're holding, you're accepting whatever is being brought into the room and expressed. So again, that the difference of artist therapy, where you might be painting or drawing yourself in your house or your kitchen table, yeah. it's obviously very different from doing that in an environment with a therapist. Yes, of course, of course, very different context altogether, yes. So that non-verbal client in that situation, that there was a particular... Uh, event that happened and, and process that happened. But do you sometimes get clients who are actually quite articulate and clever? And is that a different or is that or can it be the same kind of locked in emotion? Is, is it always a similarity in, in terms of what ends up being dealt with? I don't know if I'm framing that question very well, but you see what I'm driving at. Yeah, it might be that they have language for mm. it, but they might not have the emotional language for yeah. that. So they might project, they might be projecting their feelings and they've had years and years of projecting that. Yeah. So you might be sitting with a client that gets, you know, feels that you're being really angry, but they're not able to hold their own anger. Okay. Um yeah, so it can be, it, it's the different, but it's naming the emotions. And it might be that, particularly when you're working with younger children, um, that they aren't ever actually able to find the words or use those words. But yes. I might be able to use the words and they might be able to accept the fact that I am able to say it. Okay. Which will, I believe, help them to contain and... <laughs> Sorry, it's my stomach, folks. Um, yes, okay. Um, but it might be that it is about the relationship. Uh, again, I was thinking of another example of a refugee I worked with and he found it very, very difficult to trust to have a, a relationship or even be in a room on his own with me. Okay. And so uh, there's a particular kind of warming up exercise I do called the scribble game, um, well known within art therapy. And um, so I will make a mark and then the client will make a mark. And, you know, you can learn a lot from that. And just it's something I do in workshops actually quite frequently mm. to say, you know, are you staying on your side of the paper? Am I saying on this side of the paper, are you using the same colour? Maybe you want to always pick up the same pen that I've just used or are you using the opposite? Um, how do you feel if I move on to your kind of area? How about Ooh, okay. if I bring in a different medium? There are so many different things that can happen. That, mm. And again, months and months and months of he wasn't able to move away from this uh, activity, Okay, if you like. So that's what we did every week, every week. Right. And... That allowed him, after several months, to tell his story. Amazing. And he hadn't been able to speak about that before, but it took the took, weeks and yeah. weeks of doing that activity to build up a relationship for him to trust. Yeah, months. So, yes, it could take a short time, but what's what would be the long? I mean, you know, it could take years maybe for someone to... But then we're talking about the... Oh, the in inverted commas, luxury of having yeah. the services available and being able to sustain those services to 
to help people to the point where they are able to tell their stories. And that is a whole political conversation, isn't it, I guess, to have those yeah. uh, services available. Yeah, perhaps we shouldn't go in there in that direction. But um, is there anything that's really surprised you that's come up? Or did you sort of know what was coming when somebody has started to create something? That Has anything sort of come out out of the blue in a, in a session that you were, oh, gosh, that didn't see that coming? Or is it always a, a slow process like you've just described where somebody will be emerging out of? Yeah, there is very often quite sudden surprises that will happen within mm. the therapy, whether that's emotional feelings in my, from my response sometimes as well, um, that maybe that I might be holding for the client mm. or that particularly with artwork, maybe when you can reflect on that. So um, as you're drawing towards the end of therapy or it can happen at any time because they will have a folder and all that work will be and so you might want to look back on it and it's really interesting quite often to see how their response or your response to a particular piece might change over time Ah. and that actually you might be able to see that in a different light or recognize something Mm. now that you didn't see at the time Mm. absolutely and you uh, I've got two questions to follow up from that so do you get the reward of seeing the client experience some relief at having been able to benefit, seeing the benefit of them having been able to process or externalise some of these things that they need the help with? Do you get the reward of seeing that in them? And also my, the, the second question would be, it must be affecting you emotionally when you see these incredible, that's two questions. So um, <laughs> first one first, and then I'll go on to the next one. Yes, not always. But yes, sometimes. So, and, and again, it depends on the time limits. And so obviously that can be quite frustrating mm. because there might not be enough money to be able to work with, particularly with children. But in saying that, sometimes that can make the therapy move quicker um, oh. because if they're ready and they're able to do that. But yeah, I mean, I have... I have experienced over the years uh, certain clients, uh, children that have made the changes that they needed to do. I, I haven't had the luxury to see them long term. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, it might be that after twelve weeks or whatever it was, there allotted time that that the benefits weren't that obvious then. But it might be that nothing's changed, and actually, that can be hugely. Uh, rewarding that actually they haven't got into any more trouble or they're not or they're still coming to school even though it might be only part-time yeah that's Um, but yeah obviously it can be much bigger changes and in well-being and their mental health weight if if it's oh um, well okay you know there can be quite often quite obvious changes as well right right yeah physiologically visible Easy for you to say. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but yes, how the follow-up question was about how this work affects you emotionally. I mean, do you, do you sometimes come back in and have have it all to process for yourself because you've seen distressing things or learned distressing things about these unfortunate people who have needed your help? Um, yeah, it must get to you, surely. Yes, I. I mean, I. As a profession, mm. we have supervision. Mm-hmm. 
which we need to have mm. um, and that is our processing time um, you write processing notes or clinical notes after each session okay. um, to unpick and process what's happened and then I would have you know supervision weekly bi-weekly um, depending on you know your client's uh, list to be able to to go through and work out uh, also w- whether you've got any particular blind spots Right. Um, the other thing is, is that your training, when you do a master's in art therapy, you need to be in therapy yourself during that time right? for that very reason. So that you understand that if you're listening to a particular story and it's triggering you, why? Because you know, you know the signs, you know, okay. actually that's because you know that that's a hotspot for you. Yes. And it's recognising those signs. Um, but in saying that, I do. I mean, you you do need to be careful. And um, do you do you seek support in such an instance when you've had something that oh, this is triggering something in my personal realm? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and I had a supervisor, the same supervisor for many years, so she was able to help me unravel that when I particularly. I, you know, because you can be so immersed in it, you're not really sure why mm. that you're feeling those those particular emotions. Um, but to help you unpick that, and so we can. I mean, we can all have moments or instances or spells of not being able to identify what that emotion is about. I think that's <laughs> it's become <Yeah>. clear to me <laughs> over the years, but also over the course of this series that we all have hidden emotions that the arts and art is definitely a, a sort of a a key and a portal into somehow so it is fascinating the work you do and uh, thank you for doing it are you continuing to be i mean now you've moved to devon <laughs> you're painting the most amazing natural scenes and uh, i'm loving what you're doing are you still doing therapy or, or involved with therapy yeah i mean it, actually coming from, from your last question so i wasn't really sure whether to go down that route but mm. i in that first lockdown, I realised that actually I was quite burnt out. Mm. And um, in moving to Devon and making that leap, um, because I was working for a school for autism, so mm. we continued to open um, through that. Yeah. And I've done a lot of work with trauma. And from that, obviously, I was quite concerned with what would happen in the years to come. Sure. And I've unconsciously I feel that actually now I'm looking at it is that I had actually burnt out and I needed this time to heal I think I have a little bit of secondary trauma Mm. that I needed to process and take stock of so I'm retraining as an environmental arts therapist so and I'd already started to take my work outside because that's somewhere that I feel more comfortable it's showing (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's fantastic but what is an environmental arts therapist if I may so that's using all the 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 art so drama music art um, and taking the practice outside and using nature and using nature's cycles Mm. as part of the therapy or the basis of the therapy and so what I'm kind of experiencing now is using natural materials as the art materials. Oh, fantastic. So not taking paint and paper outside, but actually using what's there, the, the 
beautiful phrase that everything is here. And I find that for me, it works in practice that nature absorbs a lot of those emotions and yeah. feelings yes. um, and is able to reflect it back to you in the same way as I have done as a therapist and the art does, but adding nature into that is, I find, really, really powerful. Yeah, well, it's it's really, I mean, your work has just lifted off like a rocket as far as I can see since you've been down here. It's just tremendous. Well, you're doing a lot as well. But we had a conversation earlier when we were sitting on the beach watching the sun <laughs> go down and you were talking about the difference between expressing your emotions in the art and doing an art piece of art that will evoke emotions in the viewer and the big distinction between those two things. And it really made me think of my conversation with Greta Skaki about don't emote and not emoting because it's not for the artist to be doing that, that it's for the audience to be doing that. Fascinating thing. Mm -hmm. So in terms of what you're saying about your need, as we all need to heal and look after ourselves and nourish ourselves and, and make ourselves better when, when we are burnt out. Are you doing sort of both of those things in a way for yourself that you're, you're making up pieces of art now for other people to appreciate mm -hmm. and, and have their emotions about? But are you also doing some of the getting stuff out of yourself <laughs> with what you're doing? Is it kind of a mixture of both or or some or it is mm. I, it's processing definitely mm. um i started this about three or four years ago where mm. i actually got a studio for myself because i felt that i really needed to start doing my artwork again yeah and um i really retaught myself how to paint because i needed to practice what i was preaching really um and from that studio i did run workshops which was a kind of combination and a little bit a mixture of what you're saying. So, so I, I have run a lot of art therapy groups. Yeah. So this was therapeutic groups. And so using those elements of it, so the group dynamics, having the freedom of using any art materials that you want and having an emotional response and being able to express that through the art. Yeah. But it being about the process and not about the end product. Right. Okay. And okay. that's what is something I'm kind of flirting with at the moment because I'm I now see myself as an artist mm. and selling my art mm. but actually painting not thinking about my audience or how much this is going to be worth or where I'm going to sell it but actually still trying to create art for the love of it and for the process aha uh -huh. yeah. yeah that's really important isn't it so what are you going to be up to? I mean, you're in the middle of this amazing new life that you have going in the sea every day, painting nature around you and engaging with nature all the time. And now going into this environmental art therapy, which sounds fantastic. Anything else in the pipeline or is that quite enough to be going on with? <laughs> um I don't know the way it's going to go. I Hooray. don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm waiting to see what this year brings and to produce art and to do the open studios again, the Devon Open Studios. Mm. Um, How did that go, that first one, by the way? Oh, it was fantastic. It was such a warm, wonderful response from the community oh. here as well. 
and the wider community. And it was really, really positive. And that's in the annex. So I might start some workshops. I might start taking art therapy clients or um, I might just stay outside. <laughs> choices, choices, <laughs> but I know which one I'd choose. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. It's been lovely. Thank you, Francis. Terribly sorry about the stomach rumbles throughout that. Hope they didn't distract too much. But there's a far bigger difference than I had expected between clinical art therapy and art as personal therapy. I'd never thought about how long it might take for a client to make a breakthrough, not to mention the skill and patience of the art therapist and, of course, the level of funding needed to make all this happen. It's very humbling. But once again... Laura's working experiences are a clear illustration of the need for art in all forms and for so many purposes. Environmental art therapy sounds fantastic. Just being out in nature is already so powerfully healing. Also interesting was how Laura had hung on for so long to the idea of being an abstract artist, and yet now she's capturing the views, the colours, and the textures of the South Hams in Devon so beautifully. You can see just how beautifully on her website and on Instagram, the links for which are in the text for this episode. If you enjoyed our chat, there are plenty of other great guests and art topics. Please feel free to subscribe to the series on your favourite podcast platform, and to share it with any friends to whom you think it might be of interest. And until next time... Enjoy keeping all your senses open and alive to whatever art makes your life better.